Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do at this time, we say a big hello and warm welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hey, Gene. Well, hello, hello, Mr. Egan. I am uh, still circulating around and back at the home base for just a little while. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, you know, just, uh, as I say, trying to uh, get stuff done. And uh, we, you know, it's, it's a constant process, so, you know, i got to keep doing that. And then today I thought we would uh, kind of talk about some of the current events. There's lots of current events going on and the surge in optimism, and we will talk about that. And then our uh, guest, Chris Starnes, who I believe is on. Hey, Chris, are you there? I'm here. How are you today? Good, good. Yeah, and you're going to maybe give us some uh, insight into the ground floor and getting off the ground and the SAR thing with drones and, and working with Gene as a third-party independent person. We're going we're to get the report card on Gene Robinson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I wanted to start off, you know, we're going to probably, uh, you know, hit the diving board and get into the deep end of the pool. So I don't know if you want to, you want to swim out here with us because, uh, you know, it's, it's what I call making friends and influencing people segment of the show. And, uh, it really makes people happy. I don't know why, but, uh, so, you know, I don't know if you're that kind of person that likes to share and all the, the happiness, but, uh, it's been a lot of stuff going on. I, uh, I, I do feel or see a real uptake our uptick in industry optimism, which I've seen before. Gene, are you seeing it? Yeah, yeah, we have seen it. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's any indicator or not, but there seems to be a lot of movement of personnel in the industry as well. I think so. You know, along with this optimism, it's kind of funny. I, You know, I call this uh, phenomenon the regulatory wheel of suffering for fans of Buddhism. Uh, same deal, you know, it just kind of goes round and round and round and round. And, uh, you know, there's there's optimistic points, there's low points, there's regulatory points. Uh, but basically, I, when we get to this, let's say, level of optimism in the industry that, you know, again, and I don't know how many times you've heard this, Gene, we're, we're on the cusp, we're on the edge, it's the precipice beyond visual line of sight is right there. Do you believe it this time? Well, and from a regulatory standpoint, um, not so much. But from a practical standpoint, yeah, I, I think we can do it. I think we've proven that uh, 
you know, 400 feet is a good altitude to keep everybody below. And I think the even the the helicopter guys are kind of getting the idea that you know their airspace not might not be so sacrosanct down to you know the the hundred foot level like it used to be. So right. yeah, I think uh, you know, there's 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 a kind of a, a shift, if you will, in the paradigm. Uh, I I would I'd concur with that, and I also think technologically, I uh, yeah, that one's kind of a weird one too. You know, it's a camera obscura or something. You know, you think companies like uh, Amazon and Google, I mean, they got more money than God, and probably you know twelve of his closest friends, and uh, you know they just can't get it off the pad. You know, I I don't think. I don't think that it's, it's it's not doable. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that FAA keeps saying you got to lead the way, and you know, I don't know if you saw that video I did uh, for the expo. Actually, I just kind of jumped on it. Was the the Bernie Madoff deal? Same deal. I told the Amazon people you're going to need about 400 million to kick this deal off, and they just were like, "Oh, we're not. No, you know, we're not going to do it. We're not doing it that way. We're going to um, pee in the wind for a while." Let it splash in your face. Uh, piss the FAA you know, off, you know. Um, I, you know, you're right. Yeah, you, there is going to be – it's going to take a lot of money. But, you know, I think the, the folks like Amazon and, and uh, you know, FedEx and all those folks that said they were going to jump out there while Billy Bob for bad, I think they kind of learned then that you might not want to start spouting those plans out in public because you end up being lionized over them and, and they take shocks just for saying they're going to do it. I think that it's quietly going on in the background. People are doing the development. They're, I think there's probably more people ready for it than uh, you would expect. I, I would think so. But, you know, we had, um, you know, uh, Gus Calderon on not too long ago, a few months ago, which we're going to have to have him back on to hear about the progress. And he was talking about the difficulty of setting up a 135. Um, you know, the administrators out there, and I did want to talk about that. We'll talk about some of his comments. But, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of work to do, man. And who was it? Uh, was it Wing came out and was like, oh, you know, we're killing it. 100,000 deliveries. You know, it's coffee and potato chips, you know. And that's cool, you know. That's it's nice and everything. Um, however, I don't see that as a viable business model, man. I, I think you could work at Starbucks. There's Starbucks everywhere, and I'm not plugging Starbucks. Uh, but you know, you could have people probably, you know, walk it over and make more money, you know, uh, on the deal with less headache and you know, less consternation and everything else, um, and less investment on certified aircraft and developing this Part 135, uh, you know, system. The other deal is that I can't believe, and we are seeing some of this creep out with the uh, flying over people and certification and, you know, the administrators saying, you know, we've got ways to do this, or they're, they're modernizing. It's almost out of the two sides of the face because they're going to modernize or modify the aircraft certification thing, but they want the public to believe when they say uh, safety and security risks have been addressed. And So I don't know how you're going to do that. Here, this is the whole new thing that we're going to do right here. We just put it together. It's not done yet, but there you go. And this proves that everything's safe. 
and these people are going to fly around. And again, it goes back to what I said when uh, Bezos first said he was going to do delivery is what do you think the liability case is going to be with first time one of these delivery drones hits granny in the head, takes her out. You know, back then I was saying it was probably going to be a hundred million or $140 million. Uh, you know, then what do you think for inflation? You still think it's, that it's going to be that? Is it going to be more money than 3D robotics lost or less? How about that? <laughs> I like the way you put that. That's uh, kind of an interesting way to to give it a comparison. You know, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we are pretty uh, libelous group of people here to begin with. I mean, if uh, if there's a way to sue somebody, I think it's going to happen. Uh, and, and you know the yeah, yeah I know you kid about you know dropping off the burrito and the bag of chips and all that good stuff, but I mean it's not so much about what the payload is right now; it's really the ability to be able to do it. Oh, I think it could it, so, it could be done. I, I really I think that even the regulatory thing is, is stifling the innovation of uh, of the the aircraft uh, and how it could be done. Oh, no. I, I mean I. I sit there and I think I'm. I think to myself, I'm like, man, I, I, I've come up with multiple ideas on how to do it. I've seen some other people that have done uh, some ideas. It's just not possible in the regulatory environment. I mean, anybody that and I've written this too. It's like anybody that tells you they're doing drone delivery and visual line of sight is, you know, wishful thinking, fibbing, you know, whatever. There's just, you know, I don't know. Even if you're in the desert, I mean, eventually you're going to have to get below the roof line. You know, and are you going to have multiple VOs from multiple perspectives or is it going to be, I mean, if it gets so restricted, again, you know, walk it over there. Um, so I don't believe that. I don't believe that it's happening, let's say, to the letter of the law. Um, and people, you know, you can write me hate mail if you want to, but I, I just don't, I don't believe it. I've been out in the field long enough to know that that's just not happening. You, your take on that, you think it's totally above board and to the letter of the law? Uh, no, to the letter of the law, no. Uh, everybody knows that's going to bend a little bit, if you will. And uh, I think there are people out there that are bending it as we speak. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's some technologies on the horizon. Like, And uh, I'll give you a little uh, anecdote that, that a friend of mine has a, a Chinese takeout restaurant, right? Sounds good. Sign me up. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you. Uh, and they had delivery. And I told him, I said, you know, that was a, probably two years ago, I told him, I said, soon you'll be able to deliver this, you know, what, pretty much, you know, with a drone. And he was asking me the question, how, and, you know, all the when, where, and why, and how, and that sort of thing. And you get a small business like that, that, you know, they're, most of the people that order takeout are within two miles of their right. restaurant. And right. he said that would be a perfect use model for him to be able to, to send out his chow mein, you know, be a drone, and come back. And I think that what we're probably going to end up with from a technology standpoint is it's very easy to, to set up a ground-based sensor that would be able to pick up traffic within the two-mile area. It doesn't have to be on the drone so much, but it just needs to be able to communicate with the drone. And I think that's where we're going to go on the, on the, uh, the sense in the void in the last mile sort of situation where we can keep a ground base station and as long as it communicates with the drone, we're good to go. You know what I'm saying? 
Yes, and I was already uh, branding this thing. Chow mein copter. You know, it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm all ready. I'm like, uh, can do it Hong Kong style. I'm ready. Um, well, the problem that I see with that is, like, you know, you got DoorDash and the rest of this stuff now, and, you know, somebody's doing it and basically making 12 bucks an hour driving it around. Yes, um, I don't really use those services because everybody I talk to says, you know, that, you know, they don't get the order right or it looks like people have been uh, sampling their food. I don't know if they're like, you know, poison <laughs> testers or something. But imagine this uh, guy that owns a Chinese restaurant, you know, he's got a, oh, okay, but I'm going to do, you know, drone delivery and I've got to buy, I don't know, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, it's pretty hectic, it's payday, and I got to buy five uh, type certificated drones, set up my program, uh, have my uh, pilot's uh, operator manual, my maintenance manual. You know, is, that, is it going to be some, again, you know, I, I don't see him being able to afford all of that or the liquor store or whatever. Um, you know, and then again, it's, 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 it's drones as a service. And at that point, is it, uh, you know, then you got, you know, more cost on there and then you got profit, you know, unlike Uber who never really, they don't even need to make a profit. Somebody's going to want to make a profit delivering the chopsticks. So I, I just don't, I, I mean, that's so far off in the future, uh, you know, and, and that, that was another thing I wanted to talk about, too, is how they're, like, wrapping this urban air mobility thing. And I just watched Blade Runner again the other night, you know, and the only people in flying cars and Blade Runner were mainly the police and probably rich people, like, they do helicopters now. But it, it just, I mean, you, you, you're talking about some heavy lifting regulatory and certification-wise. You know, and then, you know, the other one, I, I, you know, that optimism feeding into that. I mean, as you see, Joe, uh, Joe B, uh, aviation's valuation is just, I mean, it's insane. Even the Wall Street Journal is like, you know, people, we got to go over there and uh, with the breathalyzer, see if people are okay. I mean, that, that coming to the valuation is more than Lufthansa. So I, I think the the hype cycle, like what we saw in the drone thing, is just going crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'm all wet. What do you think? Well, maybe, maybe uh, you know. There's there's so much going on. The, the hype cycle is obviously thing that drives things just about in every industry. So, yeah, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> is that a definite maybe? That was a definite maybe. Indecision may or may not be my issue. Is that a Sears poncho or a real poncho? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Well, so, you know, okay. You know, um, we'll see what happens. I don't really believe we're on the cusp again. I do think another thing the administrator said that, you know, the uh, which is kind of refreshing but also kind of a, a little disheartening as he came out and said, you know, like the, the waiver thing is not going to make this industry scale, which I think we've been saying that since, what, you know, around – 2008, or maybe yeah. even 2005 when they came out with the, uh, didn't they, they come out with a, a policy, the FAA, for public operators or whatever, and, they, you know, how to use drones and whatever else, and uh, I, th- I think even at that point, we're like, I don't see this really working, and and I don't think that the waiver thing has worked at all. They, they've talked about the waivers, and you know, doing research for this show, you know, I mean, it, it goes 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, every year. Oh, the FAA, you know, we put out a thousand waivers. 
most of them were uh, at night, you know, waivers or whatever, which is pretty, that shouldn't even been a pro, prohibition in my uh, estimation. Uh, and most of it, you know, is always, oh, it's going to be great, and they're going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. And then it really, uh, it hasn't really materialized. Now we're talking about, um, you know, flying over people and, and certification and things like that. It's still, you know, all of this, and, and even the RC hobby trust thing and all the rest of that, there's, there's no practical test. I, I mean, you know, no. if you're going to fly over people and you're concerned about safety and type certification and you know, which is going to be really expensive and the snapshot time and all the rest of this, and there's no practical test? I mean, does that make sense to you? No, no. And, you know, I'm a pilot. I get it. You know, the, but I, I will say that on the horizon, the NIST test is finally starting to get some teeth in it. I've heard people and, and I think like, that's oh, good- NIST. It looks good. So go ahead. Maybe you can expand on that. No, I mean, they've had three levels, you know, and you have to do all different types of things. Now, granted, the the level one is just, you know, look in a bucket and tell me what letter you see, which is not too much of a challenge. But then again, if you look at the written test, there's some pretty softball questions on the written test as well. So, you know, it's it's developing. It's evolving. Uh, and I looked at uh, all three of the tests here when I was at the uh, the Granite Defenses Summit that they had here just a little while back. And, you know, the, the level three test is is starting to get more complicated, and you end up having to, to do more things to prove that you are proficient. So I think it's getting there. I've heard about it, you know, and people, you know, that, that was one other uh, thing that I want to talk about, and that is, you know, they, they keep addressing the standards work, and they've been addressing the standards work for the last 16 years. And, you know, I, I, great. I love it. You know, I talked to another guy the other day, called me up, we got to work together as an industry. And we, I, I, I'm all about working together. I've been working together for a long time. Uh, the issue with that is, is um, you know, to me, this this regulatory thing is supposed to be a two-way street, and the standards, I, the idea that I can, uh, as a small business person, realistically stay in the standards game for 16 years, 17 years, 20 years, that's not realistic. That uh, represents um, a very expensive prospect, especially, you know, we had plenty of experience with that, of spending all of this time and writing all of this uh, these things up and putting them out and whatever else to have them poo-pooed or the round filing cabinet action uh, if you miss a meeting, you know, and uh, which isn't which isn't very nice either. So you know, whatever the case. I mean, you. I mean, I know that you uh, wrote your own stuff up and assisted in writing stuff up. I mean, you know, what did what did you uh, feel like when that uh, big effort just went in the trash can? What did you feel like? No, no, it's yeah. That, that's no fun. So, yeah. Well, I mean, you could go, hey, you know, people, I could have went fishing, you know, or I could have went riding the dirt bike, or I could have sat out in the yard and took a nap, or I could have went and had some of that Chinese food you're talking about, or whatever. I could have enjoyed my life, whatever. I, well, instead, it's, it's not the first time that we've put a lot of effort into documentation and, and justification and had it round camp. No, that's true. And and the thing, so the difference is, is it's like, you know, you're, and I don't want to beat up on government employees because some of my best friends are government employees. 
you're getting a check. There's really no ramifications, you know. Don't don't uh, abuse the comp- or the, uh, the the car privileges, you know. Don't uh, make an ass out of yourself at uh, the uh, FAA Christmas party. And you're pretty smooth, man. You can hang in there, write it out, retire, get the check. They don't really care, you know. They don't see it from your point of view that you're out here. I could be doing business development. I could be making money or, or doing something else with this stuff, and, and you're just poo-pooing it. Now, not only is the poo-poo or the um, round filing cabinet a bad thing, but, you know, this, this is a drum that I keep hitting. Every time somebody tells me, oh, it's, you know, the standards work. Okay. And I've asked you this question before. You know, how many of these standards have been adopted? You know, worldwide, to the best of my knowledge, it's still one. You know, after like 16 years and even longer with, uh, you know, RTCA and the rest of this crap. Uh, that, to me, does that sound like some sort of uh, genuine <laughs> effort? Yeah, I mean, remember the F-35, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Earl Lawrence? With, oh, this is going to save aviation. You know, uh, this is this is great. You remember the rah rah? You were there. You were there in Reno. Remember the F thirty five rah rah LSA twenty thousand dollar aircraft, and it's going to revolutionize. You know, we were able to do this, and you know, in a couple of years, and you know, blah blah blah. And, and you know, I always fall for this stuff. You know me, I'm gullible, <laughs> so I fall for this stuff. And then, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it kind of wears off and a couple of days later. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I think I've been hornswoggled. And, uh, you know, that's how I feel here. I don't, I don't see any real, you know, two-way street. I see a lot of lip service. Am I wrong on that, on the standards work? Well, you know, again, it, it's the whole transparency thing. I don't... You know, I don't know much how much of it is fake news, to be quite honest with you, Patrick. I've gotten to the point where I ignore most of it and wait until, you know, I can lay eyeballs on it personally before I'll even accept it. And it's a long I mean, way yeah, in on. this industry. Let, let's just, <laughs> all right. I, I'm, I'm embracing my inner curmudgeon here, okay? And I'm, I'm getting to be a crotchety old fart, but that's okay. Uh, you know, it's just... That's the way it's gotten to be, right? It is, but, you know, I mean, these are some of the inconsistencies that I see. The other one, you know, okay, so I talked about, you know, uh, he was talking about safety and security risks, you know, for for public acceptance. The public has to believe us. Safety risks have been addressed. And I I say, uh, you know, you get the 737 Max, which is a total uh, poop show. I don't care what anyone says. That's still... They're, they're not totally being transparent as far as I'm concerned on that. And, you know, Boeing has other issues, but whatever, you know. Uh, and then I look at the GA numbers, and these things are falling out of the sky, and the numbers are bad. Same with the hey, LSA. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, 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 you know, I've got a 172. Let's not talk about, you know, GA stuff and flying around. It makes me nervous. I know it does, but the idea that, you know, so there were some other comments that were made that, you know, or the public expects like aviation, um, you know, airline type of safety. Uh, that's what they've become accustomed to and safe with. And I just say, well, that's just not true. If we look, we look at other segments of aviation. Um, 
And if we go back to the AOPA, I mean, that's, that's another thing people, you know, oh, the AOPA and NBAA are all like, you know, on board, want to help us out. And then they say, well, you know, you got to watch who your uh, friends are on that deal because the AOPA is the one that got it shut down. As you remember, they wanted an equivalent level of safety. I know that uh, there are studies that have been privately funded that are going to come out, and they are going to show that, um, you know, with the FAA's own data, that drones are much safer, much safer than uh, manned aviation. Not the airlines, but much safer. And so I'm, you know, I mean, if it were me and I had the resources to do it, I'd be pushing on AOPA and, and the FAA and say basically you're just going you're gonna just have to shut this down until you get the airline level of safety that you're talking about you know which I think would start a um, big kerfluffle but it might be something that could say oh okay well you know maybe we got to do something about the drones because I, I don't think that they're being uh, I think they're being disingenuous about about the drone thing and the public acceptance of uh, safety and all the rest I just don't think they want to do the work that's me. Ten to the ninth, right? Mm-hmm. Once and never. I mean, it's like one in a billion or something, you know. And in, even though, well, you know, I don't think that that's all FAA. I, I believe that the airlines are also doing a lot. Um, you know, a lot of this work because the flying public. You know, if you're, you know, a friend of crashy the airliner, I don't think anyone's going to ride on your airline. You know. And I don't think that's all FAA. I think it's, uh, you know, I think people know. I mean, they, they got to know that. They're, you know, there's not tons of competition out there. So those are, you know, I think they need to be given some credit, too, on that. Now, the other, you know, we got National Drone Safety Awareness Week, and everybody's talking about the safe, safety culture. And you are a manned aviator, and there is a uh, culture of safety in manned aviation, right? Yes, indeed. And it's a good thing. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a community thing. And I believe that there used to be that, too, even in the hobby world when people went to the hobby shop. And I think I've expressed that before. You know, you go to the hobby shop, you go to the counter, and you talk to the dude, I'm buying this F-4 Phantom Jet, you know, a large-scale aircraft. And the guy would be like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to fly it. Well, what do you fly now? Well, I got a this two-channel park flyer thing, you know, uh, you may not be able to handle that or whatever. And they would talk to you about it and kind of talk you down off the fence. You you remember what I'm talking about? I do. I do. That's all gone now. Yeah, you just get on uh, wherever and you order it and you order whatever you want. 90-size helicopter and uh, give yourself a haircut. So I think, you know, those have kind of changed. And the thing, and I really, even when people talk about that, I think that the, the, the group that really kicked the uh, culture, safety culture in the shins was the FAA by uh, making the commercial drone thing illegal. Because you probably remember, and as you were, um, remember, we had a lot of aviators who were into the, let's say, drone thing at the time. And when it became uh, verboten, people that had man tickets like, whoa, I'm out of here. You know, I don't, I don't want to get my, uh, jeopardize my man ticket to, to play with this. So I'm just backing off. Is that a fair representation of, of what happened? February 13th, 2007. I remember it well. And since I was a certificated part 61 pilot, that's exactly my attitude. I had to decide 
okay, am I going to risk this ticket, risk my man ticket to go after the drones? And, of course, you know what the answer was to that one. Yeah, and, and you know, for, for some perspective, to be fair, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people that get into this and are into the drone thing, and they think that you know, being like an aviator is like getting your 107, which I was, the only way they could make that easier is if it was like a prize and a sugary, a box of sugary breakfast cereal. That's as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> And, uh, you know, even the new version, when you get current, is open book. The part, the one for part 61 has always been open book, whatever. Very much uh, of a different process if you want to get a, a, a man's ticket. Lots of training, uh, actual hands-on stuff, uh, check rides, all, all the rest of this stuff. And it costs probably these days, I, I hear it's like ten grand or whatever. I, I don't know for sure. I don't really find flying that enjoyable, and maybe it's because of where I live and the traffic and everything. Else. But it's like driving in traffic. I don't. It's not Sky King where I jump in there with my dog and fly off, you know. So I'm not really even interested in that aspect of aviation. I mean, and, and would you agree with that? I mean, do you think it's it's just much more arduous and expensive, and you know, is that well, kind of the where you live? I absolutely agree. Anything like San Diego, San Fran, stuff like that, the airspace is so congested, it really is a chore just to fly in and fly out. Uh, you know, I live out here in the country. I've got a couple of, you know, uh, a Bravo and a Charlie here that's not too far, but I can fly around that. That's that's no problem. But, uh, yeah, the, the complicated airspace does make it difficult. And, I got to tell you, I just went through the uh, the annual inspection on the 172, and wow, let me tell you what, just getting the dang thing inspected um, ain't cheap. It's not cheap. Yeah, no, nothing's cheap these days. Yeah, I, well, you know, I was, my, I was like, you know, a hot dog stand at cleanup up here. You know, there's so much traffic, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not even – you know, I wouldn't even listen to the, uh, you know, the commercial stuff, you know, or the livery stuff, you know. Uh, it's just like, wow, where is all this? You know, you can't even, uh, you can't see it. So even that, you know, they talk about uh, detect and avoid or sense and avoid and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, you can't even see the man stuff, and it's everywhere, and the people are squawking all over the radio. So I don't, uh, that's another issue we have, and we don't even have time for that on this show, but uh those, you know, those are those are some of the issues, and and that is one other thing is you know the FAA says they're an air navigation service provider, and this drone ecosystem's got to fit hand in glove quote with our air traffic control system, and we saw that both in Reno and in Corpus Christi, that the existing system with the no tams and the news and uh, you know everything else uh, with the with the existing system did not work. You had non-cooperative aircraft invade the airspace twice. It was kind of a footnote that nobody really wanted to talk about, but that's what happened. And so that's a failure of an existing system in my estimation. The last thing I want to hit on is the education. You know, they're doing that National Drone Safety Awareness Week, which I don't think is a bad thing, totally. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that they're doing it for free. They have a cabal. They're throwing uh, marketing dollars too. They just love that uh, Kitty Hawk Aloft guys because they they did the Lance thing for them for free. And they love Lisa Elman, even though she can't write correct uh, waivers. It would appear if you look through that whatever. 
they do all of that. I don't. Uh, I, I think that kind of erodes their credibility in education. I also believe that the uh, UAS symposium being $150 a day erodes, uh, erodes their credibility. Other government agencies can hold online symposiums like NASA for free to educate the constituency. I mean, that's what we're paying for. That's that's what your taxes pay for the FAA uh, as part of their charge. So to me, um, I, I just I don't think that that uh, it doesn't sit well with me. It just it, their, their credibility is like a '74 Pinto, you know. It's, it, it's just not appreciated, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Do you, would you like to comment on that? Hey, the '74 Pinto would get you there just as long as you watched your six and didn't let anybody tailgate you. You were fine, <laughs> and you were riding in style. And yeah, you, you you know, as long as nobody bumped you in the back end and you burst into flames, you were you were good. Hey, you could have dings all else around the car, but just not that back <laughs> That's bumper. right. Just don't let hot them, time. Don't let them tap you from behind. Hot time in the old town tonight. So, all right, well, moving on, let's bring on our guest, uh, Chris Starnes. Chris, you sat there, you listened and all that. Did we bring you down to Chinatown? Are you looking for some chat suey? <laughs> You're getting out now. Right, What's the deal? Right. Chinese, uh, you know, it's it's about lunchtime, Gene. <laughs> it, yes, it, indeed it is. You know how that goes. And, and i tell you what, before, hey, Chris, before you get going, I, I, I want to preface this a little bit. Everybody knows that I'm Absolutely. doing the, the, the search and rescue stuff. And, you know, uh, now that COVID has kind of backed off, I've been – flitting around all over the place. And I thought, actually, I thought I was going to be coming to see you, Patrick, but uh, that looks like that one was going to go in a different direction. But uh, it, this last weekend, uh, Texas EquiSearch called me to go to Tennessee, and uh, it, it's a very unfortunate circumstance. We won't, won't go into that because that is a downer. But, um, you know, I, I've been saying all along, I, I can't be everywhere at once. So, uh, you know, always on the lookout for, you know, people who are willing to commit and dedicate themselves to, you know, the service of, of uh, doing search and rescue with drones, but specifically with drones. So uh, uh, that's where I met our guest, Chris Starnes, this weekend, last weekend. And uh, I got to talking with him and kind of vetted him a little bit, see, you know, just exactly what his level of commitment was. And I tried to warn him away, you know, every time, you know, be careful for what you wish because you'll surely get it um, when you want to be called out and that sort of thing. Uh, and he was a very enthusiastic learner, and uh, he put up with all my BS. And, you know, so we got to talking about it. And uh, so it looks like Chris is going to follow down that path. And um, I, I'm tickled to death that, that he's willing to do it. And uh, with that, we kind of thought, you know, this guy is just starting out. So why don't we watch? You know, why don't we, we put him kind of in the fishbowl, and uh, we'll, we'll start with that. And uh, uh, I'll say, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you fell out of that tree and, and see how many branches you're going to hit on the way down. Yeah, absolutely, Gene. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it coming from a, a guy like you. Um, so, you know, I've always been interested in drones. I, you know, I bought drones to, um, you know, do video on vacation. And then, uh, you know, I wanted to maybe make a career out of it. So, you know, of course, just like everybody else, I went and got my Part 107, 
just like you said, it couldn't have been easier. Um, you know, easy peasy, get the part 107, and then I thought I would go out and buy a, you know, $6,000 drone, and I would be off to the races. You know, I, I, I just thought that it was going to be that easy. Well, it turns out it wasn't as easy as I thought. Um, the drone industry is packed full of people all wanting to do the same thing. And, you know, I quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to do it with no work. Um, and so, you know, I joined up with, with EquiSearch, and that's that's kind of where Gene came in the picture. And I was able to spend the weekend with Gene. And what what a great guy, you know, the, such a – an amazing teacher and so, all right gene how much did you give him 100 bucks to <laughs> hey, you know, not me no no how to make money in drones no i'm kidding i'm kidding no you're, you're i agree with that chris i know gene a long time I'm, i was just kidding go ahead sir yeah absolutely so you know um and he did he he tried to tell me all weekend to be careful for what i wish for um but you know Gene taught me a lot, a lot of things that, that I didn't realize about drones that, you know, even Part 107 didn't teach me. And so I was really grateful for that. And, you know, we were able to do some things and, and look at things that I, I did not know was capable with a drone. And so, you know, I, I really want to build off of that and, and what he what he showed me, I want to be able to to help people. I've always wanted to help people. It's what I do now on a different level. And, you know, I was, I know you were talking earlier about, um, you know, how it's going to be hard for the drone industry to, to move forward, you know, as far as with companies like Amazon, you know, it seems like it would be easy, but I definitely see the hurdles that, that that's going to, that's going to be in front of them. And, but I was thinking about it, and I was looking at an article the other day, and actually just, just yesterday, of, of an 80-year-old missing person in, in Canada. And you want to know how he was found? It wasn't with helicopters. Helicopters missed this guy. They couldn't find him. This guy was found 18 hours later with a Matrice 300 with a thermal camera. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's all about, man. And that's, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to go out save lives and bring closure to families that, you know, that have been broken by unfortunately the worst circumstances that we can think of. Well, that's a noble goal. Um, you know, the, uh, more and more, you know, it, uh, this technology can be applied to that, you know, and I'm sure with your conversations with, with Gene, I mean, Gene's been doing this sort of thing for so long, you know, donkey years now, um, you know, we, we've, uh, we've known this, we've known this for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Gene has spoken to you with the frustration, um, of, of trying to be, this guy's got the pioneers, you know, they say, well, the pioneers have the arrows in the back. I think Gene's got arrows. He's like a porcupine. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and the naysayers and, and, and all the rest of that. And, uh, you know, uh, even, I mean, the, even the FAA was aware of, you know, what he was trying to do. And when they tell you, Gene, your heart was in the right place, but you're, uh, you don't have enough money or something. I don't know what it was. What did they tell you? Yeah, my, my heart was in the right place, but my ass was way out of line. <laughs> 
Well, it's pretty, <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, when you're on a, a search like that, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, to people, and I'm not saying that I've had uh, people that I really care about missing, but, you know, hey, man, it's it's like the, the clock is ticking, man, and we got to get out there and get her done. You know, we don't have time for uh, bureaucratic nonsense. And uh, so I'm sure you were out of line, but it was justifiable, you know, so. And uh, we know the Texas EquiSearch people, um, you know, good folks, good mission. Uh, I, you know, it's just been how, – how long has Tex, Texas EquiSearch been going now, Gene? Since 2001, I think. Let me look that up real quick. For 20 years. And then, uh, so, and Chris, how long have you been uh, – Associated with you just get started with them or have you heard of them before you knew about them or um so yeah I, I've heard of them you know I, I've I saw them on different shows and but I did just get started with the organization and you know that's like I said that's how me and Gene met uh, you know up here in Northeast Tennessee and that's the thing uh, you know everyone's known this for a while that that drones can you know be used for things like this but I'll be honest with you I, I think in places like uh, the rural counties in Northeast Tennessee, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite as known. You know, we, we worked with a, a department that, that I think was just baffled by the technology. Um, and that's what I want to try to bring to areas like this that, you know, could very well use something, you know, someone to come out quickly with a drone, get it in the air, because, you know, maybe, maybe these, you know, these missing people can be found a lot quicker or, you know, I mean, it's, it's really a big deal. It's really, I think it's going to be uh, really helpful and it's going to be a difference maker here because, you know, we started, we was using uh, program locate and uh, several different drones and trying to look for a missing person. And by the time we were done, you know, this, the sheriff was, uh, was amazed. He was like, I can't, you know, I did not know that this was possible. I didn't, you know, I'd heard of locate before, but I didn't realize that this could actually do this. And so right. that, that's really what I want to do. I want to be able to bring this to, to rural areas like Northeast Tennessee and be able to help EquiSearch and, you know, even other organizations, uh, you know, locate missing people using this technology. Well, you know, uh, one other thing with it, too, it's, it's uh, interesting, you know, I mean, I, I like to spend a lot of time in the mountains. Man, as soon as you uh, you get off the trail and you start, like, you know, heading through the forest and up and the hills, down the hills and into the valleys and all the rest of it, it you know, you, you get kind of tired kind of quick, you know, uh, especially if you're carrying gear, you know, uh, things like that. And so this really is kind of a force multiplier I don't think that there, there's enough known about it. Really, I think more uh, – there was a little documentary that was done about Gene and Texas EquiSearch, but I, I think that would be uh, something – if anyone listening out there that wants a movie or, or documentary type of project, uh, be a good one. See what's really involved in all of that uh, and, and the effort and the people and the equipment and time. Uh, it, it's definitely uh, – it's a big production. So, you know, if you can save time, save people's lives, it'd be great. Um, people that are wandering around out there. So, uh, yeah, you, you, oh, go ahead, Gene. 
I was just going to say, you you really wouldn't believe how much effort is put in. Dave Rader was the, uh, the actually there's two chapters or I think three. There's one maybe in Florida. I don't know, but uh, uh, Dave Rader is the director of the Texas EquiSearch Midwest Division. And uh, let me tell you, the guy puts in tw- he's 24/7 on, you know, doing you know logistics, dealing with uh, with people and and uh, getting equipment and coordinating folks and herding kittens and it's the guy is he is constantly on so yeah there's a lot going on and and when we can come in and the areas like we were in in tennessee we needed to have a drone there was just no real way to get into some of the areas without a drone and he is very appreciative of that fact and you know he's typically you know, one of the ones that will call me when he has a mission. So that's why I'm tickled to death to get uh, get Chris up to speed so we can get things going and, and he can kind of go out there and take a little bit of the load here and, and do some of these missions and get them flown. Yeah, well, you know, I uh, wish you a bust of luck there, Chris. And, uh, you know, I'm, sounds like you're committed passionate which you're going to need that commitment and you're going to need that passion because it's going to be a long road you know but on the other hand you've got the potential to help a lot of people so best of luck on that one and thanks for coming on and giving us a a little bit of uh, let's say the ground floor perspective on that i appreciate that and gene uh, you know i hope uh, you don't get any nasty emails although i, I did you did try and uh, reel me back in on <laughs> some of that negative fancy <laughs> stuff. I don't know. I, you know, just that's kind of how I see it after you know so long at the at the front here. But anyway, that's all we have for today. So uh, you know, until next time, everyone have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Be safe. Thank you. <laughs>